0: Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David...
1: I forgot to do the thing I'm supposed to oh, do before Pete's we sake. start recording. Okay, so go ahead. Do this right here. into the mic. There, there we, we go. go. <laughs> the uh, show has begun. When we've been doing this, we're finishing each the sentences here. We're speaking um, in unison. Uh, how are you? You're supposed to ask me that. I just did. Uh, I'm good. Um, I'm glad to be... Uh, listeners don't know, but we haven't recorded in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, getting back in the game. Yeah, back um, in the groove. We have uh, we have a guest today, yeah. So uh, don't so we don't want to waste too much time before before introducing him. Indeed, but uh, we've got real a, quick. a few things to talk about.
0: Well, yeah. one is our new Twitter situation, which is the only way I can think of to describe it. You you well, tell me what it is. Here's, okay. it kind of surprised me when it happened
1: because here is the thing. Okay, I started our Twitter back in late two thousand eight, early two thousand nine. Yeah, I think early two thousand nine, and I started it as our like the show's twitter and it almost immediately you weren't interested in twitter at the time i was not almost immediately became my twitter and was run that way for a long time and i feel like most people knew and so when you joined twitter you had your own thing yeah a lot of people followed the old at the pretension yeah um thinking they were following us and so that always kind of bothered me that you weren't getting the, <laughs> the there either. was only
0: ever one instance though in which you tweeted something in which I said hey can you not tweet that yeah there was which only I'm, one time.
1: which I was still bitter about Sorry, but, uh, uh, that's off my off my talk um and so I it had never, I had never looked into. I think it used to be more difficult, but it's really easy to change your Twitter handle now. Super it, easy. Like, as long as it's available, you could take it. Yeah. Um, although what that means is your old one is now available, and someone snatched it up immediately, and now there's a fake David Bax on Twitter, the <laughs> tweeting under the <laughs> at the pretension with my okay. I talked to the guy.
0: I was wondering what that was. That's okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, initially he had it at just my name, and I okay. was like, hey, could you make it clear that it's not. That is not me. And yeah. so it's fake David Bax and he now he tweets things that are the exact opposite of my opinion, which I actually kind of find of right, of I fun. like that. Um, but uh, So now it has become finalized, codified, and uh, undeniable. We have two separate Twitters. Okay. You have to follow both. Yes. You are at Tyler Pretension. Yes. I am at Davey Pretension yeah. with an EY. Um, it is
0: fascinating to me uh, that... Because I have... Uh, you know, for more than one lesson, i've got like I think eight hundred and fifty followers, which isn't bad for more than one lesson, but I'm sure a lot of those people are a function of b p hmm. Then I get an actual b p Twitter and I'm only like two hundred and fifty or something like that. So get with the program people come on yeah yeah
1: follow I've at got Tyler, a lot of interesting
0: things to say at Tyler I don't pretension. i don't really
1: and then there is a um show show Twitter now um that is sort of automatically tweeting out website updates mm-hmm. uh, and that is at battleship retention with no vowels right. So just take out all the vowels. I'm not going to spell it for you. Okay, uh, and that's the Twitter situation. Yeah, right. That's it. Oof, that is complex. No, it's not. Now it's easier. There's adamental yeah, pretension. F- there's there's David fake pret- David backs running around. Let's I don't like that. Discount guy. him. Okay, forget he exists. Done. Uh it's at Davy pretension at Tyler pret that's Davy with an EY. Mm-hmm. It didn't occur to me at the time that like Davy Jones spells his name with no E in it. Oh yeah. I, I I felt like I wanted something that when you said it people would know how to spell it, which is what yeah. the pretension was. And then it occurred to me that yeah, Davy there are two different spellings. So it's Davy EY pretension at Tyler pretension. That's who you need to follow. And then at battleship pretension with no vowels. With no vowels, because okay. of, with the vowels it won't fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a character limit. So uh, Okay. You also want, We also wanted to talk about our friend Jason, friend of the show, Jason Eakin. Yeah. So. Directed a short film uh, starring friend of the show, Pat Healy. Yes. It's called Desk Job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I saw it at the uh, Los Angeles Shorts. What is it called? The Los Angeles The Los
0: Angeles Short Film Festival. Short Film Festival. Yeah. in beautiful It's only, North Hollywood and Santa Monica. Uh, okay. One day it was in North Hollywood. One in Santa Monica. Uh, it's a fair. It's a very small festival. Um, they're well, they're only in their second year because of the size of the movies. That exactly. Yeah, I hate you. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, uh, Jason's film did very well. It won best drama, best actor, best supporting actor, best supporting actress, and then the audience award. So that's, wow. that's very exciting. Uh, wow. I'm very happy for him.
1: Yeah. We also so, saw a great documentary called Code Oakland, which I, uh, that was the first one in the block that we saw, which I was really I liked impressed it a lot.
0: With. I felt like it probably could have had a better ending as opposed to just, uh, it ended very abruptly. I felt like it could have used another two minutes of just kind of...
1: Right. Well, um, I, I was very pleasantly surprised by Code, Code Oakland.
0: I, I liked actually a lot of those movies. None of them were... Because last year I went to the the Mountaineer Film Festival, and a lot of those short films made me want to kill myself. Because
1: um, they were made by Backwood's Appalachian ex- Exactly. Picks. Is that why? <laughs> yeah,
0: they're using a bolex. <laughs> You bigot! I'm so elitist. <laughs> um, but yeah, but this uh, the the block that we saw, which I only we only saw I only saw the documentary and drama block, and I mean I didn't necessarily love all the films there, but I I liked a good portion of them. Yeah. And so uh, I'm I'm excited to see where the where this film festival goes in the future. Uh,
1: yes, yeah, so you know what I'm excited about? I'm excited to tell you. Uh, the listener about tweaked audio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds and a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. That's tweaked audio.com. They're f- uh, super affordable to begin with, mm-hmm. but because you're cool, because you know us, you go to tweaked slash pretension. You get everything I just talked about. Mm-hmm. Plus a list that I didn't talk about their watches. They yep. got a watches over there. Yeah. Tweaked audio.com slash pretension. will get you everything for one third off and no shipping charges. So make sure you go to tweaked slash Attention. So I mentioned something earlier about a guest. Mm-hmm. Should we bring him on?
0: <sighs> Hang on. I'm thinking.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, he's, uh, friends. Uh, this is only a matter of time because he seems to be friends with a lot of people that we know. Yeah. Uh, both friends, friends of, the of the show and, and people on. that we, um, that are, have not been on the show and that <laughs> we barely tolerate, <laughs> we barely tolerate. Uh, you know, if you're listening, you know what we're talking about. Um, he, you've, you've, you've maybe uh, read his, uh, his his reviews in the Village Voice. Maybe you've uh, listened to him talk about spider Spiderman uh, on uh, Superior Spider Talk, and his and he's here now. And his name, very easily pronounceable, is Dan
2: Gavazdin. Thank you for being here, Dan. Is that the Jewish Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah. yeah. My exactly. favorite. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I, I've been a listener for a long time, so it's a real pleasure to be here.
0: Uh, that's very flattering. How long, actually, out of curiosity?
2: we've been we going eight years. I think it, it must be five years or so. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And then you're like, well, then why have you never written in? And, uh <laughs> I'll say I'm a oh. podcast addict. <laughs> if okay. I were writing into every show I listen to, it would be fair enough. Out of that control.
1: Remi- speaking of writing, in, it reminds we we have presents to open. What? Well, one of them just has my name on it. So of I'm not course sure. it does.
2: But we is also- it from K? <laughs>
1: yeah, it should just send me some more Blu-rays. <laughs> no, um,
2: one of them's for me. No, that would be really weird. So this hey, one,
1: uh, this is from this is from Jarrett, who I, whom I have a long time. Email correspondence with. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, good guy. Good guy. Uh, do you get uh, people send you stuff at, at Superior Spider Talk?
2: No, we've, we've gotten a couple of comics from people, but mostly we have like a members club. So people give us money and oh. then okay. we distribute free comics to them every every episode. So, um, oh. yeah. And they get to do like member requests that so will review an issue that they want to hear us talk about. All right. What do, what do you got there that is for you and not me?
1: Yeah, it's a couple of uh, albums by Within Temptation. I don't so, know what I don't know what that is. They're they're a band. Oh, okay. Uh on Nuclear Blast, which uh and Roadrunner too, so that you know it's good metal. Those are the two good the two best metal labels. Oh, okay. That still exist, at least. Um right. I thought he said there was a Oh, here it is. Okay. He emailed me and said there was a letter in there as well. Um uh are you oh, going to read this? This is very long. So maybe uh We should, uh, not, well, but this is to both of us. Oh, is it? All right. Can I read it? Um, no. Um, (laughs) so, uh, it says, Dear Tyler and David, how are you guys? It's Jared from, uh... Jared from above in Calgary, Alberta. I can't read this. this. is actually very long. I can't read all of this.
0: Yeah, and but, we and uh, we have a, a yeah, guest right. Yeah, here. but
1: this
2: is fun. Right? I'm I'm riveted by the letter.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I did actually didn't
0: pick up the sarcasm
1: there. Uh, there It'll was, be
2: like secondhand letter reading. I'll just ex, you know experience what it's like to get a gift, but maybe not directly. Hey, me too. <laughs>
1: Okay, so yeah, this is about this band within ten, Within Temptation, and how much he, he says here. I believe it was Tyler who said he likes heavy metal. That is incorrect. That is not correct. It is David who likes heavy metal. Yeah, um, and uh, I am excited to to listen to this. Um, one of the songs features uh, the singer from Nightwish, and I'm a big uh, fan of Nightwish, so that should be good. All right, uh, I can I'm sorry, Jared. I will um, respond to this uh, in full uh, in an email. But as much as I love reading letters on the air, when it's full page typed in like font, yeah, that's 10 like that's a nine. And three quarters of it is about metal. Like, <laughs> I don't think that the listeners are going to care about that too much.
2: Tyler, this is your chance to request your favorite genre of music. Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, you
0: like, maybe that's you like why blues? I, I like blues. I, I like blues. I specifically like Delta blues.
1: If, if, uh, if a CD store back when those existed okay. had a section called Americana, would that be up your alley? Would you like kind Americana? Uh, maybe. That's the yeah. kind of thing you like? Not that something you used to like. I remember we lived together, mm-hmm. and I was listening to Wilco's first album, the real yeah. country one, AM. You were like, ugh. You are like, this is like nails on a chalkboard. Too too much twang for you. A little twangy for me. Now you like a lot of twangy stuff. Yeah, I don't, like.
0: I don't mind it. I I'm not sure quite how I got I think I got there. When you that's the thing, if you like Delta Blues, it's only if you go back far enough, it has a quite a bit in common with like old folk and country and that kind of thing. So I think I got there by way of blues. So what do you, okay, so there's
1: another Well, I wanna ask Dane what kind of music he likes. There you go. You like uh,
2: metal? Uh well I, I used to be a big metal guy. I now I find myself and I, I'm 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 not proud of it, but I found myself listening to a lot of like very pop rock tunes, like anything that's got like a really like solid beat and I can like sing loudly to. Well what uh, are we talking about? Well, I don't know. I mean I would have Wait, said like Fallout Boy? No, 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 no. I would have <laughs> said something like walk the moon until they were overplayed on the radio like crazy here in LA. I didn't even know what that is. Okay, I well know, yeah. they're on the radio every other song. Them and the red hot chili peppers. It's oh, non stop. Okay. Um I really like this band Jukebox the Ghost that's going around right now. I saw them a couple of weeks ago. Um they like fit right into my like like it's just piano-based wannabe uh Billy Joel kind of music. That's oh, that's wow. that's in my that's, wheelhouse. A wannabe Billy Joel. Well, I mean <laughs> <laughs> It's really an achievement. I like them more than Billy Joel, but like their okay. critics have said, "Oh, they just wish they were Billy Joel." So, me not being a music critic, I, I will Insert their do, words. Do
1: you find – like, okay, so we're both people who write about movies. Sure. And I also love music. But sometimes I am frustrated with the fact that I lack the vocabulary to, I have to, no to clue write how about I music it. the way that I can write about movies. And so like I was listening to the new Kendrick Lamar, which everyone is, everyone is loving, and I was like, I'm underwhelmed by this, but I don't know how to
2: describe why. I feel like if I were to write music reviews, it would be like the same ten words. You know, like, oh, it's got a driving beat. Like, that's about about all I can say. I feel
0: like music is so subjective. For example, okay, at my, uh, I go to a weekly uh, Bible study, and every once in a while, we will have what we call a music night where everybody brings their iPod, and then we go around, each person gets one song they can play, and it's just an opportunity to kind of get to know the kind of music that other people like. And uh, we actually set up a rule, which is you cannot make fun of somebody else's music um even though there you know there are plenty of there are plenty of songs that i don't care for but at this point i feel like i can whether it be tv or or even literature or film i feel like i can break down what does and doesn't work and i think i have an idea of what the artist is going for whereas with music i feel like it just hits me a certain way based on how i'm feeling that day and sure. then who i am in general and it's like well that's com- that couldn't be more subjective and while i'm sure people can break down the instrumentation all that i think at its core it just hits you a certain way emotionally and so yeah like i i would not make fun of uh your taste well i don't i don't like billy joel there is that <laughs> i'm not a but, huge uh, billy joel guy i'll yeah. get
2: that out of the way but like i've heard them compared to that
0: but yeah and so it's uh so, I feel in the same way, I feel like if I were to talk about what I like about certain musicians or certain bands or whatever, uh, I would almost talk exclusively about how it makes me feel, and that I think that's kind of the most you can do if you are not trained specifically in, you know, musical, music criticism or something like that. Sure. Sure. So, okay, that sounds so,
1: fair. Uh, Tyler, while you were rambling, I got a chance to look over Jared's email. a little. More so when you letter. ask me to
0: do it, it's vamping. But when I choose to do it while you're looking through our mail in <laughs> front of a guest, it's, I wanted it's rambling.
1: To be. So I got, I, I wanted to pick out the movie related stuff, which is that Jared says that Canadian DVDs have both the Canadian and the U S rating on them. Okay. And wants to know if we get the Canadian rating on our DVDs and we don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't know why they get both. It seems like you're making a new package, right, yeah. for the Canadian. Like, why is it important to have the PG? Well, PG let's, on so, there? let's
2: see. That's on their like cheap products. Do they get uh, just the Canadian price, or like we could be the opposite? We get the American and Canadian prices. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I haven't thought about that in years.
1: And then he also said he's never had poutine. He's from uh,
0: That's a shame. From
1: can- from Canada.
0: What is that? I
2: don't know what that is.
1: Poutine is French fries. Uh, cheese curds and, and
2: gravy and gravy, uh, and you eat it with like this little fork and it is just to die for.
1: Here's the thing though. I've only had fancy cheese curds or che- fancy poutine huh. at
2: animal where is it's like, like o- gold flakes on it. No, or it's something? like
1: oxtail gravy and like some okay. sort of like fancy cheese and it's delicious, but I've never had like, like real like diner hangover Have you been food, to Canada like- before? I've never been to Canada. Oh, okay. Or, um, I guess in New Jersey, disco fries are essentially the same thing, right?
2: Yeah, it's similar, yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah, second Second letter is, oh, from, is from Rachel. Uh, thank you, Rachel. She wants to know what our, and uh, maybe we'll do this someday, our 10 Desert Island films. Oh, okay. Uh, she lists for herself. She's got a good taste here uh including yeah she's got one you won't see coming uh (laughs) chinatown all right singing in the rain oh here's another one you won't see coming Dunstan checks in whoa um i've never seen that one maybe it's important
0: when you're on a desert island maybe it's important to keep perspective (laughs) uh
1: robocop uh clueless i could watch the movie over and over again okay ghost haven't seen since i was a kid i feel like it doesn't hold up but i could be wrong probably not i like tony Goldwyn. Right? I like Vincent Schiavelli. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What,
2: what is your life like if your favorite genre of films are desert island films and you land on a desert island with those films? <laughs> oh, man. Is that depressing or not? Because, you know, they might be your desert island films. But do you want to watch desert island films?
0: I think at that point you're just like, oh, clearly there's a God because this was my whole life has been building to this. I've been given a gift. <laughs> now <laughs> I can so, now I can, so out, I can live out my favorite genre. It's like if you were a fan of film noir and then some. Some hard luck dame comes sashaying into your office as your Venetian blinds put a you know this really awesome shadow across your face. You're like, oh,
2: here I am. I'm right in the middle of it. But, but you're not in a bad situation in that case. I mean, you could be because she might be tricking you or something. Maybe. But if desert, you're on a desert island, maybe they don't think that's a bad situation.
1: Hmm. But wouldn't a lifetime of watching Castaway and these other things teach like wouldn't the, this person be the most prepared person ever to be like on a on a deserted island?
2: Possibly. But I don't right. know. I have not heard many but, stories about like, people on deserted islands getting off of deserted island have you
1: no but it's more about like how to live like okay build a shelter find water find a volleyball these sort of things like the the first things you have to do utilize the
2: tv you're strangely watching in some way
0: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah make a radio out of coconuts
0: just Um, follow just follow the it's it's plugged into something just
2: follow the cord and you'll probably make your way into civilization i've watched too much lost to know that that's (laughs) like not entirely safe
1: (laughs) you follow the cord yeah you get to daniel rousseau um she tortures you uh all right Roadhouse, okay. Dr. Javago, here's one. Sudden death. <laughs> That's if you don't remember, sudden death is the one where Jean Claude Van Damme yeah. saves the Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> from annihilation by playing goal for them. And uh he there is a part where he get, he plays goal in the movie i don't i didn't realize he like that. ends up in the goalie gear because he's hiding from the bad guys and gets pushed onto the ice and he plays like a shift in goal in the movie and then he kills the mascot and then he winds cause it up turns out there was a lady <laughs> terrorist in the mascot and he kills her
0: i'm glad one of us has seen this movie <laughs> and he winds up singing the national anthem at some point point. Sure,
1: yeah. uh, and then finally my girl all right all thanks right. rachel you know what's interesting about that
0: is that uh a couple of those uh, films are very
2: cold. I was going to say half of those Zhivago. are really depressing.
0: Well, I meant like physically cold, like, Oh, it's hot on this desert island. You know, I'm going to watch Dr. Zhivago and, and try to pretend it's nice and cold out. <laughs> and then, and then, Oh, it's nice and cold. I could go for some hockey. Oh, it's time for sudden death.
2: Like so I think that's get what, stung by hundreds of bees. Absolutely. Yeah. Right.
1: So here's <laughs> Spoilers. a couple of things I'm going to say here. Um, It'd be great to be on a desert island with all these films, but you kind of also have to make sure you have like a DVD player and a generator and like sure. a TV, like right. Uh,
0: the, I carry those with me every okay, time I'm saying, I travel because
1: this would be like the Twilight Zone episode with the broken glasses. Oh, you yeah. got a big stack of DVDs and nothing to watch them on. Uh, the other thing I'm saying I want to say is to the listeners: I've had a lot of fun opening presents on on the air, but I'm gonna have to put a moratorium on long letters <laughs> i didn't expect to get two in one week it was fun but uh i can't read long letters on the air um so uh if you're so don't write long letters exp- i'll read them don't expect me to read them on the air i can't do that
0: you could open them beforehand See, at least
1: glance I, I at how you long you want to do that but no not
0: not not read them beforehand but glance no. at the bot just the whole body of the text and say that's a long letter i'm not going to read that on the i air. could do that on the air
2: I guess so, but we have a guest who's. Dan, who, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't but, know. I, that, you've been sitting here silent. You've been involved in this whole conversation. That's true. Yeah,
2: I mean, here. I mean, maybe next time you can just read the letters, and we'll just ramble together. Absolutely, yeah. that sounds good to me. We'll
1: put one in the left channel and one in the right channel, and the, <laughs> the listeners can choose. And then right. we can watch
0: uh, over the course of the week. Our numbers drop to zero, <laughs> right. if not negative numbers, somehow.
2: It's like uh, goodbye to language. Did you guys see this movie? I did not yeah I saw it you saw it it's like you could choose with each eye what to watch yeah you can just pull the earbuds out yeah uh, did you like the movie I mean, that's a tough question. I mean, uh, what what are we using to determine that? The, like the word like is so – I don't even know if I could apply that to this movie. Uh, yeah. I don't know that it was meant to be enjoyable. And um, isn't that true of
1: a lot of Goddard's
2: work for the past, say, 25, 30 years? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think the title Goodbye to Language 3D is perfect for this movie because Goddard has like decided that he's no longer going to try to communicate to anyone uh-huh. and it's in 3D. You know, so yeah, perfect. So that
1: part of <laughs> it's not just a clever name. I
2: thought it was a unique experience. Um, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone uh, unless like that's very squarely in your wheelhouse.
1: You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, I found myself, and I talked about this on the show before. Like, yeah, I mean, I had, uh, I didn't get a headache. My eyes watered constantly. I kept having to take my glasses off and my eyes. That's part eyes of the experience, yeah. I think, though. The most objectionable part to, objectionable part to me, though, is all the bathroom humor.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. What is that doing in there? I I mean, I don't know what anything's doing in this movie. There's (laughs) long segments of a dog just wandering through the woods. That's the best part. Sure, I'm a dog guy. Uh, I'm a fecal joke guy. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll never forget the experience and the conversation out in the lobby afterwards, I thought, made it worthwhile. Um, I wouldn't go, like, alone and just be like, This is what I'm doing my Friday night. Um, But you'll never see anything like it. (laughs) You
1: just uh, described exactly how I saw the movie. (laughs) I went alone. Uh,
2: Time to reevaluate your life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I went, I literally, I had, I took myself on a little date because I went early and I had a drink at father's office I walked down the street and I saw goodbye to language 3d alone And then I complained to myself on the way home about all the
2: all the bathroom humor. The the father's office part of that redeems you in a huge way. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I didn't. I I didn't give myself enough time to get something to eat, so I ended up just drinking at father's office. You didn't get
2: their cheeseburger. I've had it before, but not yeah.
1: This time I didn't. All right. Um. Yeah. Tyler would never go to father's office. What is that place? Well, it's a burger place. It's considered one of the best burger places in Los Angeles. I don't I know what you're thinking. You like burgers, right? I don't mind hamburgers. I... Literally, no substitutions, no changes whatsoever. You get what they give you. Oh fuck those guys! Yeah, he doesn't like that. doesn't America. Mess with
2: your father's office. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> All right. Um, I guess let's get into it, shall we? Let's talk. Sure. Let's talk to Dan. And I, I, I know there, are, there are some there, there are some very interesting topics we talked about, wanted to bring up on the show. But I feel like we got to start with Spider Man.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. I guess so. Uh, are, are we speaking about Spider-Man or Sp- Spiderman?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Spiderman. Um, t- uh, let's talk about your podcast uh, and, and website.
2: Sure. Uh, I have a podcast called The Amazing Spider-Talk, and I have a oh. website called Superior Spider-Talk. I know it's confusing.
1: I referred to the podcast earlier as Superior Spider-Talk. That's talk. totally
2: fine because it used to be called Superior Spider-Talk. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, fans of the comic uh, will know that... Uh, About two years ago or not even two years ago, a year ago, there was Spider-Man's comic changed names to be Superior Spider-Man because Dr. Octopus took over his body in a kind of weird Freaky Friday kind of thing. And uh, so they changed the title of the book. And then when it changed back to Amazing Spider-Man, which is the flagship comic, we decided to change the podcast because we're like – you know what? Like this is going to be amazing Spider-Man from now on. Maybe we should just change it. Right. And uh I was still learning about hosting podcasts and I got wrenched into Potematic w- territory mm-hmm. and time to anybody out there listening, don't sign up for these people because they will you have to divorce them to leave. <laughs> and uh anyway, wow. this is all very Uh, specific and technical stuff, but, um, it was time to rebrand. And so we're amazing spider talk now. And my site is superior spider talk.
1: What do you, what do you talk about on the podcast week, week to week? Is it, it's weekly?
2: Well, so actually we are going weekly as of this week. So, uh, I guess that's my big announcement on our show this week. Um, uh, but yeah, typically we would do a show every time a new issue comes out and they come out about biweekly. Um, Uh, But the show is – will be uh, alternating. One week will be a review of uh, the newest issue, and the next week will be a review or really just a discussion of an older issue that uh, my co-host Mark and I want to talk about. Um, Right now we're doing a a series called The Essentials uh, because we get a lot of emails of people asking, what are the core Spider-Man books that I should read to understand the character? Hmm. And instead of just listing it off, we figured, why not – have a bit of a competition where we each have 15 choices and we discuss them on the show and then the listeners get to vote on what they feel like should be part of, like, I guess the essential Hmm. canon of Spider-Man. Like, what are the 10 books Hmm. that should be... Passed out to everybody if they're interested in the character.
1: Have you talked about The Punisher's first
2: appearance? Uh, Spider-Man issue uh, 129, I think it is. Okay. That's the one. Yes. (laughs) Uh, No, we have not talked about that one yet. Uh, Written by Jerry Conway, who's uh, writing Spider-Man right now, actually. He's back on the book. uh, His last time writing the title was in 1975, uh, the month the Watergate scandal broke. So... Uh, it's been quite a while for him, and he's back. So we're really excited well, about Was he that.
1: involved in the whole thing? Did he go to jail for a while? <laughs>
2: oh, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> His real exactly. name is Charles
0: Coulson. <laughs> um, but uh, let me ask you this, because the way you just described it, I know very little about Spider-Man comics, unfortunately. But, uh, but you, the way you described it was uh, issues that were essential to understanding the character of Spider-Man. So does that mean... That a little, I, I forget if it was a, a one-off or whatever, but uh, Craven's Last Hunt. Sure. Uh I mean, that speaks more to the character of Craven than Spider-Man, right?
2: Yeah. So I, may, I guess I should rephrase it. It's not necessarily about understanding like his character per se, but understanding how he's been portrayed through the years. So okay. while we might, I don't know how much you know about Spider-Man, but um, while we might not like the Clone Saga, which is like a notoriously bad really long storyline from the nineties that got a lot of people to drop Spider-Man as a cop, myself included is Alistair um,
0: Smythe involved in that or I'm picking, I'm plucking out or doppelganger, the doppelganger. Is that in there? No, no, Damn
2: no, it. neither of them are. Damn um, it. although almost every other character is. So you so chose I, the two, I picked the only two, no, no, no. Uh, that's it's, it's mostly the Jackal who is this character that clones not only himself, but Gwen Stacy and, Spider-Man and all these things. And it uh, Gwen Stacy's Gwen dead. Right. And the idea of this character is this, it was their professor, Miles Warren, at their college, who was secretly in love with Gwen Stacy. So when she died, he blamed Spider-Man for it and uh, had stolen DNA samples. Comics, everybody. Uh, <laughs> stolen DNA samples and cloned Gwen so that he could, like, tease her in front of Peter just to torture him for killing the real Gwen. And then uh, <laughs> co- convoluted storylines. I mean, it's the Clone Saga. And as soon as you bring clones into anything, it gets kind of crazy. Yeah. But we would choose one of these as probably part of our discussion because there was a long time where that defined Spider-Man. And if you were coming into the series, you know, it might be valuable for you to know about the Clone Saga in some aspect. So it's not only just the character, understanding the character, but also understanding his history. So, like, the the 90s were defined by this story. And so it'll be probably show up in one of our lists.
0: So do you also talk? So you're talking very much about the comic. Do you also talk about whenever there's a new Spider-Man movie or a cartoon series? Do you talk about that as well?
2: So we have an episode with, um, Jerry Conway. We were just talking about, he killed Gwen Stacy off in the comics. And when amazing Spider-Man two was released, spoilers Gwen died in that movie we had him on the show to talk about he went to the you know the early screening of it and talk about seeing his work adapted to the screen and talk about how he felt about that and um we basically reviewed the movie with him um and it was really fun was Uh, was he a
1: fan I mean I guess I could go I should go listen to the episode
2: yeah um (laughs) you know it's funny because he tweeted like uh after the screening uh that it was like his favorite spider-man movie Hmm. and I've been hearing such negative things about it I was like oh that's interesting that you know that he really liked it. Um, and we had him on the show and I think several weeks had gone by since he had seen it. And he'd kind of come around to seeing the faults in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think it's a, a, a it's a, it's not a great film, but I think it's like, especially piled on by people. I think there are far worse films that came out the pa- this past summer. Um, but know, that
1: doesn't necessarily mean people should be easy on a movie. Just no, movies. no, no,
2: no, no, ab- absolutely not. But, uh, I think people hold it up like as if it's the worst thing ever made um but yeah no I, I agree with you absolutely i think I
0: liked it more than the first one
2: yeah uh, you know i think there are elements that work really well in it um yeah. and some things that don't i think uh you know if you look at mark what mark webb or the writers or the producers are interested in i think they're very interested in action sequences and the little romance scenes yeah. but they're not interested in the mythology of spider-man at all
1: can i uh Oh, I know we wanted to get into – we definitely want to get into the idea of um, a non-white Spider-Man. This, when we talked about off-air. Sure. I want to get into that. But something else that I just uh, – that I want to talk about um, that comes up a lot when people talk about not just Spider-Man, but superhero movies in general. A lot of superhero fans or comic book fans who are also movie fans uh, – ha- and I think, Tyler, you've had the same complaint – is why do we have to have an origin story every time? Sure. Mm-hmm. And – uh, it, Tyler, you saying you liked uh amazing spider-man 2 better than the first one i like the first one because i actually am a guy who likes the origin story and i don't know um it, just in general I, mean, I like that origin story especially particularly when it's when it's martin sheen mm-hmm. um, and sally field that's fantastic um but in general i like origin stories because i feel like uh there's uh, a movie is more of a standalone thing generally mm-hmm. than a comic book. And so to me, it's, it's still important to, to show where the person came from. Even if you know the source material, it's just like, you know, when they, when they adapt Lord of the Rings, they don't just like jump to the battle of Helm's deep because, oh, well you could read about the whole uh, thing in the book. That's not how movies are made. So I, I feel like I'm in the minority here, but I, I like having the origin story in the first movie. How do you feel about that?
2: Um, I think it varies on uh, you know with the character. I think for Spider-Man in particular, the origin is so key to everything that he does. Like the reason he puts the suit on, you know, um, and to really understand the character. Like the character of Peter Parker is he's like headed down a villainous path. You know, you know one of his first lines in the first comic that he's in is "I'll show them." You know, he says that to the you know to the people that are like, you know, like Flash Thompson and all the bullies or whatever come to him and are like, "Hey, we're going to this party. Do you want to come?" And he's like, "No." And they're like, "Okay." like, you know, uh, like wall craw- you know, like wallflower. And he says, don't worry, I'll show them. And it's really, you know, he's the antisocial one. It's uh-huh. not, you know, it's not that he's being bullied. He's not like a nice guy. And when he gets his powers, the first thing he does is exploit them for money and fame and all these things. Um, and you know, what makes the character interesting is that he has this, you know, moment of revelation, you know, that, What you know the way he's been handling this is is all wrong. But there's a whole other story there where he could go on and be a villain, um, which is what makes a lot of his villains really interesting. Is that they are almost all of them are biological experiments gone wrong in the same way that he is. But they never had that lesson, and Mm -hmm. so they're really just reflections of him. Um, And I think so. I think that's kind of key to the character. Um, Although I will say at this time we've seen it twice, and everyone knows. The origin
1: but there's something different between knowing it and, and seeing it and, with each and feeling it you know i mean like knowing okay uncle ben is dead and then seeing martin sheen die sure like that that's a big gulf in between those two things
2: i think if, if they if they're going to reboot it which they definitely are uh, it seems at this point um i would love to see like that i don't want to see spider man swing in at the end of a movie in a tease what i'd like to see is a kid at a science exhibit and a spider comes down and bites him in the tees. And then the next movie they do it. I, and I hate to use this as an example, but like Batman forever or even Batman begins style where you've got your a plot of this character fighting the green goblin or whatever. And then the B plot flashbacks that show the, that would be great the creation. So that way your story has a narrative momentum and all of its own, but you, you're not losing that origin. you know, which is, probably why i really like batman begins it's my favorite of the nolan batman movies
1: that said um, it has to be done right because the movie yeah, oh did, yeah man of steel did that wrong like jumping backward and forward in time among other things for yeah they playing things wrong man of steel but the way like zack snyder jumped throughout the chronology of the story of superman in a way that didn't really make sense it's like why are we just getting this information now or why was this sure well, I, I think it just seemed like he just wanted to keep keep it shooken up It didn't seem to have any uh narrative or character-based purpose well and i think some some
0: origin stories are more powerful than others i mean batman and spider-man i think have the best ones partially because they're similar they're almost exactly the same and if you look at especially in the last 20 years I know more about Batman than I know about Spider-Man, partially because of the animated series. Both of them had animated series in the 90s. One was notably better than the other.
2: Oh, um, I don't know about that. What?
0: <laughs> Here we go. You're more, you're more of, a, of an X-Men guy, I'm sure. Oh, I'm I know. J- I do like the like X-Men animated series. I do, series. too. I've got it over there. Yes. You know, I like the Spider-Man series uh, as well, but like the X-Men series, like they just so regularly fell into the various sagas, like a five-episode saga, and a, just... And, Bothered me as a kid, but
2: I was a kid. I might um, be partial because I had the creator of the Spider-Man show on my show, so I'm like kind of in his so camp. You can't speak ill of him, so yeah, clearly. no, absolutely not. So, I, okay, I will read your
0: facial cues. <laughs> you hate the show, but you can't talk about it. I don't know because what you're talking you don't about want to alien. I don't okay. know what you're talking about. Okay, I got it, got it. Um, but that's the, but in both in both cases, like what I liked about Batman the animated series was this idea that so they really underlined. How so many of the villains had a similar rea- uh, similar response, uh, origin as Batman, but they went one way and he went the other. Sure, they've been like an injustice has been put upon them, and I like that each one it's a little bit of varying degrees, uh, and they decide, oh, okay, you know, I'll show them, whereas Batman is the one person that didn't make that choice, sure. except maybe Robin, of course. And so, um, so I feel like that's a very, and so he's constantly making a choice just as Spider-Man is constantly making a choice. So if you, if you were to do an origin story, the way we're talking about with Batman begins, where we're seeing the origin and then watching him in modern day, as he's continually making that choice, like we're seeing echoes of why he made that choice, so I think the two go w- very well together. Whereas, like with Man of Steel, he has a good origin story as well, kind of. Uh, the concept of the Kryptonians is a good uh, origin story, but I think the specifics of of Superman and him finding out what he's going to be, um, I, I feel like, and I don't know the character that well, but. He always had people saying, do the right thing, do the right thing, constantly. I don't know if he ever had anybody saying, you realize the kind of power you have. You could be a god on this – a genuine god. You could could run this whole planet if you wanted to. He never really had anybody like that. And I feel like – whereas with Spider-Man and Batman – they didn't need anybody like that because they had their own instincts that they had to go against. Sure. So, and which is why I think I've always found Superman to be the less interesting hero. I'm with you there. Spider-Man, Wolverine, Batman, that kind
2: of thing. I think that Superman is still just kind of stuck in the era he was invented. Mm -hmm. You know, he's this all powerful God, you know, and I don't, I think people like, I mean, especially since the invention, invention of Spider-Man, his appeal is that he's everything but that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, I would love to see a Spider-Man movie that played up, the darkness of peter parker i wrote a piece for the village voice about the uh five things that the movies have never gotten right about spider-man and um one of them i said he's not a nerd he's antisocial. Mm. um and i would love to see a dark peter parker that is making bad decisions paralleled with who he is as spider-man making uh, completely different decisions i mean that's how you can do an origin story and make it fresh you yeah. yeah. see an emo spider-man yeah, You're right. Seeing, and see him dancing and punching Mary Jane. I'm saying
1: locked up in his room listening to uh Within Temptation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um Yeah, I mean I think I mean of of the Spider Man movies, I I think Spider Man two is clearly the the best of, of all five. Yeah. Um, I also
0: think it's maybe the best superhero movie.
2: I am with you there on that one too. Um but I think one of the best moments in any superhero movie is the moment where Peter Parker lets the burglar go in the first Spider-Man movie because Sam mm-hmm. Raimi does such a great job of putting us in Peter's shoes and making us go, yeah, screw that guy. Yeah, Like he took money from him. Like, yeah. you know, so that when we see Uncle it's, Ben it's dying, all, it's
0: all show them.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. But you, but you in the audience feel that way too. Mm-hmm. And then when Uncle Ben dies, it hurts you like physically. Cause you're like, I was on his side and now I'm, Causing this as well, like my emotions and my reaction, I would have done the same thing and like very rarely to do films. I feel like, I mean, a good film gets you really, I mean, uh, it's an element of a good film. Sometimes is you really feel like you are making the decisions alongside the main protagonist, especially in like these superhero films, you know, which are all about escapism and I guess like self projection. Um, But yeah, anyway.
1: I'm really glad we got to talk about the origin story. Um I yeah, to remember to ask. Okay, well, especially
2: with Spider-Man where
0: they've it has been rebooted over and over again and or it's just, twi- just twice, the but they're definitely going to do it again and that's the conversation that everyone is having.
1: It's like, are they going to do the origin
2: story? I don't again? think they are. Honestly, I think he's just going to be in high school and that's going to be it.
1: Okay, well let's talk about that. Let's and let's talk about the uh, very strong rumors that this is – that the next Spider-Man is not going to be white.
2: I don't know how strong the rumors are. I think a lot of it is kind of like internet speculation. Um, oh, OK. You know, there's rumors from Latino Review, but I take everything they say with a grain of salt. Um, Racist.
1: Why, why is that?
2: Why is that? Yeah. I mean, Latino Review, I don't know if you, if you read the site, but they – B- blow out all these, like they have these big news before they like are actually released all the time. And I'd say they're, they're, uh, they're about 50, 50, you know, okay. like, you know, but a lot of it, like it could be an insider. And I know that they have kind of inside, you know, uh, insiders to give them information. But like years ago, they projected that they were doing a planet Hulk movie and we've got what the next eight years of Marvel uh-huh. and there's no planet Hulk. Yeah. Um, so, I think they've been on the on more on the correct side recently, but I, you know, I I tend to not believe anything until it's announced. Really, um, uh, I guess and- this one seems like it
0: would be true because there has been a lot of conversation about it in general. Now, of course, there are plenty of people who say they don't want it, but there does seem to be so many conversations being had about how, like, oh, we we would like this superhero to be uh, a woman or a, or a minority of some sort. And so I feel like if it's it's like all right, there's the third iteration of of Spider-Man. You know what? Let's go ahead and do this. A lot of people have been saying they want it anyway, and it'll be a way to make people happy.
2: Some people. All all I want is the best actor, no matter who it is, what their race is. Uh, Like I think we can all agree that we want the best Peter Parker that we can get. Now, there's rumors, or there's not really rumors, but there's a lot of fan. Support for the introduction of this character, Miles Morales, mm-hmm. um, who is this uh, biracial Spider-Man. He's half black, half Latino, um, and he's a really great character. But I I, I really doubt it's going to happen. Marvel doesn't fight to get Spider-Man back under, you know, in their universe or whatever and do it and then do someone not Peter Parker. Right, I, I yeah. cannot think that they would, after all this time and, and energy, not go with Peter Parker. Um,
0: let me ask you this, and this is, this is a little bit off topic, but not completely. Uh, when it was announced that Marvel's got Spider-Man and he's probably going to show up in the Avengers movies again, or sorry, for the first time, um, so many people were like flipping out about it, but knowing that it wasn't going to be Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire, anybody that we associate with the name Spider-Man, I found myself just being like, why are we so excited? Ultimately, it's just like, oh, we get to see this costume amongst these guys that we know. Yeah. Ultimately, it's that. Whereas I feel like it would be it would mean a lot more um, if it was someone that we already had an association with. Now they're interacting with these other guys that we have an association with. But it just, it seems to me like, I don't know, we, we've had a lot of people on the show talking about uh, geek culture and that sort of thing. Um, somebody who talks a lot about it is uh, Asterios Kokonos, who talks about just people will buy into almost anything. And ultimately what it comes down to is, yeah, they want to see the costume. It doesn't really matter who's in the costume. They want to see the costume. And then whatever version of the Spider-Man that they decide to go with personality wise, they just want to see it with all this. They like almost from a completist standpoint, more than anything inherently like an emotional connection to the character or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people want to see him in, with the Avengers and in that universe, but I think more than that, and I think with the people that are really excited and really in the know about it, they're very excited about... Um, the word Marvel, like that, that it is under Marvel's control, not necessarily because of the universe, but because of the creative forces that could guide it. Um, I think people have been really disappointed in what Sony has given us in the past three Spider-Man films. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you've seen the diminishing box office returns. Um, even though Spider-Man three is like the biggest, you know, um, you know, of the films in terms of the box office it is regularly made fun of and despised by fans. And I think... Yeah, and Sam Raimi. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and Sam Raimi, yeah. Uh, so I think I think more of the... I mean, the excitement is, yay, we'll see Spider-Man with this team. And I'm not even excited about that. Like, I don't think Spider-Man should be on the Avengers team if he's in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Like, I, if I were to handle the character, he'd be a kid in high school with too many problems to, to have time to deal with... The Avengers, he'd see them on the TV and be like, I wish I could help out, but I'm dealing with these girls and the Green Goblin and Dr. Octopus and getting money for Aunt May. And you know what I mean? Like that's the appeal of the character. And he was never on the Avengers team until like the early 2000s. Anyway, right. um, um, to me,
0: I knowing what I know about the, the storyline, I think what people are very excited about is the role that he would play in Civil War. But at the same time. I feel like you would need to have the character well established yeah. for it to be as a, as monumental, momentous, Pardon me, monumental or momentous uh, as as it is in the actual
2: comic. I don't even I don't even think they have the timeline to pull that off. I yeah, mean, I don't think so. They've got to cast this person, come up with like a whole game plan of what they're doing with it, and like they're ready to go into production on that film if they're not already started on it. Yeah. Like they would have to rewrite the script to include a key figure. Like do we want him unmasking in the first movie that he's in? That's his key role in Civil War, you know. Right. Uh I think that's people who are there's I mean there's a whole audience of comic book fans that want the comics or the movies to represent exactly their comics. I think Civil War, I mean Civil War itself had hundreds of superheroes in it. We don't even have 10 established superheroes in the Marvel cinematic universe, like it'll be an iron man versus captain America movie. And that'll be the civil war. Yeah.
1: I don't know anything about the civil war.
0: It's, it (laughs) sounds like a neat idea, but only if they have that larger universe, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, if you want to get the civil war movie, that's in the comics. We're talking like 50 years of movie development. Yeah. And, uh, and then you could get it. I don't think you would really like want all these characters to show up out of nowhere and be like, "We're fighting each other," because it wouldn't mean anything. There would be no stakes. So yeah.
0: Are you excited for? Um, I'm sorry, this is all turned uh, Marvel related, but are you <laughs> excited for the uh, the Infinity War?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it all. I think Marvel has a pretty good track record. I mean, not everything is perfect, but you know, I walk out of all their movies and I say that was a lot of fun. And
1: yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I'll play it. Uh, i'll play devil's advocate here um i mean i I actually haven't seen that many marvel movies but i have been a little bit i don't know irked maybe by the way they have that reputation you're talking about but meanwhile they've been run they're running themselves so much more as a business than as uh you know makers of any sort of art because you look at getting rid of terrence howard getting rid of edward norton getting rid of edgar wright like I feel like there's a there's a disrespect for artistry in some of the, the off-screen decisions that they've made that has made me wary, and it's probably part of the reason I've seen so few other movies.
2: Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think there's some truth to that, but at the same time, I'm not aware of what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, there's rumors that, like, Terrence Howard was incredibly difficult to work with, and Edward Norton got into fights about, like, what the script on The Incredible Hulk was going to be. And, you know, if you... What I think is interesting about Marvel Studios is I think they're actually running their studio like a comic book company um, where it's you – know, everybody has to sh- tie into this universe, and they have strong editorial control. You know, but at the same time, they get people who get to write interesting stories. You know, Like James Gunn was given <laughs> – let's not forget James Gunn was given the, you know, the rights to write a movie, and it's a very right. much a James Gunn movie. Um, yeah i don't know i mean i agree with you like when they do their presentations it's like they're rolling out the new apple product yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um uh but at the same time um they have some end goal you know and and they know that the appeal of their product is this shared universe so whatever it is that they have you know they have to maintain it somehow um
1: what do you think of the rumors that they're skipping comic-con this
2: year um, I, I don't even think it's a rumor. I think it's confirmed that they're skipping. Oh, I mean, Comic-Con. James
1: Gunn said as much, but what, did, did Marvel come out and say they're not coming?
2: Uh, no, but I, you know, I, I think if James Gunn said that, like that, <laughs> I don't know why he would say that if it wasn't true. Um, right. uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think Comic-Con is getting less and less so the place to go, you know, that kind of fan fervor was great to sell the original idea, but now I don't necessarily know that they need that anymore. And so, the returns on going to San Diego haven't not as been as, you know, huge as you know, talk to the people who made uh um Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah. You know, everybody there loved it and then it just tanked, you yeah. know. Um so I think it could be good for buzz, but I think they can get all the buzz they want just going down to the cantina, you know, and and showing off there.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but the, I mean, the other rumor is that they're that it's Disney pulling them because of D twenty three, their own. Oh, convention, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. And they want to have it. all the Marvel stuff at their biannual convention. Hmm, sure. Anyway, this is you guys nerd out over comic books. I nerd out over Comic Con. <laughs> I literally, like, am reading about Comic-Con every day. I'm
2: going go f- to go to San Diego for my first time this year. So. Really? Oh, boy. Yeah. It will be
1: my 10th. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: it's. Uh, we can all hang out and be friends. We'll have to coordinate. And everything. Oh, yeah, well, we'll yeah. have a
1: meetup. We always do. Yeah. Uh, same place as always. <laughs> Tyler hates this place. But you're not going to find a place at San Diego during Comic-Con that's less loud. Uh, like, guess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, apart we meet, from like holding it in your hotel room, there's no place. That's there's a
0: Denny's be- right across from where I
1: stay. <laughs> no, we're not Let's do an, just go to Denny's. Doing a meet-up. They've Denny's. got these
2: delicious pancake um, puppies.
1: Uh, so, are you excited to go to Comic Con?
2: really excited about it. I mean, I you know, I'm from the East Coast and I Where just are you moved from? out. I'm from Maryland. Okay. Um, I lived in New York for 5 years and I lived in Mar- basically outside of Baltimore. Um, I love the Baltimore Comic Con, my favorite con. I've been to a lot of cons and I think Baltimore is like that perfect sweet spot of it's just like it's big but it's not so big that like you can't talk to anyone and you can't hear yourself think. Um it's like that perfect sweet spot. Um but uh, yeah, I'm really excited about San Diego, and I'm going out to uh, uh, WonderCon in, in in a couple weeks. We'll be there so too. Are we. we should oh, talk great. about that. Actually, we're, we're all buddies.
1: Are we? We haven't mentioned it. Um, last year, we did a sort of unofficial. There's not as many places at WonderCon to meet up. Yeah, so I imagine, and there's
0: fewer people there. So, so I imagine, but
1: well. I imagine that. What Friday night or Saturday night? Which one do you think? Probably Friday night. Friday night, we'll be at the Hilton Bar. Yeah, like uh, sometime after eight. Yeah. Find us there. It's not an official meetup because everyone's there's two bars at WonderCon. Yeah. Um when if you, you order, here's here's my pro tip for drinking at WonderCon. When you go to the bar, go ahead and just order two or three drinks because there's so many people that you'll wait in line forever at the bar. That's what I do now. I just order like three beers and then I go back. They're like,
2: here comes that alcoholic again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
0: I feel – yeah, that's one of the things. I feel like WonderCon is never going to work quite as well as Comic-Con just because of the neighborhood. Like it's just in Yeah, Comic-Con is more than just a
1: convention. It's the Gaslamp District. Yeah, Yeah.
0: whereas WonderCon is very much – like, it spreads to the hotel, and that's basically it. Right, yeah. Um, which is a bummer. Uh, let me ask you this. I have a question for the room, uh, and I'm sorry to keep – because I know we have to move on to other things. Um, but uh, we, we I was – we don't have anywhere to be? Yeah,
1: we can fair your time
0: here. We Continue your rambling. We didn't.
1: We didn't mention Dan made cookies. <laughs> he sure did. And they're delicious.
0: They're uh, they're oatmeal raisin, which is not my uh my jam. Oh, sequel. I knew
2: it was a risk, but no, I figured good with me. If you liked oatmeal raisin cookies, then like it also seems like more for you. Quite a bit of butter. Would you say there's a quite a bit of butter? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that
2: <laughs> I'm famous for these oatmeal raisin cookies, and I think the secret is butter. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> that's the secret to most things. I think. <laughs> yeah. um, Including Last Tango in Paris. That's why that movie worked. Oh, yep. So there we go. Um So yeah, uh in regards to the Marvel thing, and David, what you were talking about is something that I agree with and something that I've been saying for a while. Uh the sort of the the frustration of sort of a lack of artistry and just kind of sanding the whatever edges uh could be there uh off. Um but the more I thought about it, I was thinking it might be it okay. The emphasis seems to be less on specific artistry or style, and more on action and character. And if that is what they want to emphasize, then obviously I would prefer all of the above. But if that's what they want it to be, which frankly, if they're if they're operating like a comic book company, which they are, um, then underlining character development and character change over the course of several films. If that's what they want to do, which I think it is, then I think they're doing pretty well at it. And, and I have this, you know, you and I go back and forth about like uh filmmaker intention, but then here's the problem. It's not about specific filmmaker intention. It's about, for lack of a better term, showrunner intention. And so Is that a thing that we should be okay with or should we say it doesn't matter what the overall – it doesn't matter – what's it, Kevin Feige? Yeah. It doesn't matter what he wants. It matters what the directors are allowed to do. And if they're not
1: allowed to do anything, then we should be angry. But does he – to borrow your TV term, does Kevin – Feige. Feige. um, does he actually operate as a showrunner? Like, is he that hands on in the creative? He's the producer he, of
2: like all the films and is
0: very involved. Yeah, he's okay. his is like the one aside for aside from Stanley, his is the one name that pops up on all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've and I've heard he's pretty hands on,
2: very hands on, and that's what okay. I think people are looking forward to in the new Spider-Man movie is that he has replaced Avi Arad uh, in the producer producer role. Um. Well, and, and um, Amy Pascal as well, but um, that was kind of her trophy for leaving mm-hmm. the head position at Sony. But um, I think that's the appeal is that Kevin Feige is now working on this, and he does have a kind of showrunner mentality. And I think that isn't an appropriate way to look at it because these are serialized entertainment, mm-hmm. and I it frustrates me because I read. You know, not that these movies are beyond you know, like criticism. They're in no way they are. I'm not happy with m- many of them, but um, I see so many critics writing about them. Like they're like, oh, this doesn't stand on its own, and it's like, well, is that is that the intent of the product to stand on its own? Right. I'm not sure That's that an it interesting is. Conversation
1: that yeah. actually brings something. Tyler and I had a discussion about when the when the Avengers came out because when they when it, well, that was 2012, right? Oh, it's been almost three years. I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, you had seen every Marvel movie up to that point. Yeah. I had seen... What did I seen? Iron Man and Thor, and that was it, I think? I think so, yeah. Um, and um, I felt like, that's okay, this is a new title. Sort of like, you don't have to read everything in Marvel comics, right? Sure, you absolutely, yeah. And I felt like I was perfectly justified in just going to see The Avengers without having seen uh, three of the five <laughs> movies that existed. And you felt like that it was more imperative to have seen them all how do you yeah. feel about that
2: well i took someone with me who had not seen any of them and he loved the movie Interesting. um i mean one of the things we say in our show you know we talk about what our first comic was our first spider-man comic like my first spider-man comic was issue 375 right. did i know anything that that's was really one. going on yeah it is <laughs> I, a good I, one. i don't know I it actually it. turned out to be a good one um but like, did I really know any of the characters? Not really. Every comic is someone's first comic. And, right. Uh, and well, so, yeah, I mean...
1: I feel like this is something... Because uh, I'm also a big, huge TV fan. I do a TV podcast. I write about TV on, the, on our website and stuff. Um, and I feel like this is a... Somewhat recent thing in TV, with everything being available, people just expect, okay, when you watch a TV show, you watch it from the beginning. Sure, But it wasn't that long ago, like even, like even 10, 15 years ago, if the show had been on for a couple of years and you had watched it, you could just start watching CSI. You could just start watching uh, Gilmore Girls or whatever was on at that time.
0: Yeah, there was a time when an episode would air and there would be the previously on. You know, right, yeah. would, not, still not your old. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. But I think these days people look at it as like, oh, these are the
2: storylines they're going to touch on as yeah, that's exactly
1: to, what the previous on is now. Yeah, like, I mean, here's what I need to be keeping in mind.
2: Marvel Comics does that. They have an opening page that describes what you need to know, whereas DC Comics does not. And so. Uh, I think Marvel sales are way higher than DC, and I wonder how much that has to do with it. But I do think these movies do a a fairly decent job. Like Captain America 2 has that wonderful sequence where he goes to the Smithsonian, Mm -hmm. and you get his full backstory from the last movie. But I thought it was really artfully done. It's like, oh, here is yeah. exposition, but it's not someone telling it to you. It's yeah. him like discovering how the public perceives him, and I thought that was actually really a really elegant way of working that in.
0: And it was actually, you know, that's the thing. As much as what I what I just said, I think I I think I mostly am on board with it, but I'm still kind of trying to figure it out for myself. That, like, okay, the intention of the showrunner, because these are not necessarily individual things. There's certainly an, a larger plan here. The intention is to develop character and all that sort of thing and have a really good action, the end, and that's basically the end. So it's like, all right, well, if that's his intent, then I will look at it along those lines. I will cut him that level of slack. That's one side of it. The other side of it, when you watch Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and you realize that the genre of it is basically – Uh, like an espionage thriller from the 70s and that's one and it's great and it's really exciting and people respond to it uh, on that level and people are like, oh, how neat that even within the world of Marvel, this is its own little, uh, this is its own genre and when I look at that, I see Yes, that's what you can get if you if you allow people that level of freedom. Sure. Like the Doctor Strange
2: movie. Very exciting uh, stuff. It's Scott
0: Derrickson, right, directing it? Sure. who is Who makes supernatural thrillers. So like, okay, this could certainly have a different quality to it than Iron Man. And I hope it does. I
1: this, hope so, too. This reminds me of something you and I talked about, Tyler, on the now defunct Film School Rejects podcast years ago, mm-hmm. which was the idea of does – does a superhero movie have to be an action movie? And I like the idea that we'll get as the years go on, we'll get so many superhero movies that people will be okay if one out of every ten of them is a domestic drama or a romantic oh, yeah. comedy or something like that. <laughs> I, I would find that really, uh, really interesting. Well, I, I mean, I they basically
2: was... have said that that's their intent. I mean, I don't know how well they're pulling it off because really, it's Captain America Two is a spy thriller. But it is still also an act, really oh, an action absolutely. movie. Absolutely, no question. Um, if they really wanted to go spy thriller, they could have gone a lot harder in, in that direction. But yeah. they're aware of this, and right. they realize that superhero isn't necessarily a genre more than it is just a setting – for all of these other genres that can come. I yeah. mean, even Captain America too, there's even like a sci, like sci-fi weird fantasy, the great like computer scene in the I basement, love that scene. which is the best scene in that movie. I Absolutely, mean, by which is weird considering
1: it's all exposition.
2: Right. And it all works so well. You I know? can't wait till
1: they get to Tinker, Taylor, soldier, Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got that. You almost got it. I messed it up a little bit. Hulk
2: spy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, this would be a good place to change topics um, sure. into the, the, the other thing you wanted to talk about, um, and this might, I guess we can actually turn this. Uh, uh, what dovetail this? I guess is what we're talking about here. Um, off mic you were talking about the idea of the. Uh, well, how did you phrase it? The the idea of people going into a movie already having an opinion. Oh, it's like about- a
2: manufactured opinion on the movie, and I think. Right. You know a lot of that comes from film criticism itself people like you know read criti- uh, critics you know things before a movie come out and they walk in with expectations um
1: yeah and i mean the example you gave was it follows which is more uh even a subset of that which is the festival film that has like sure. months of a narrative going on mm-hmm. uh, you know before it even so there. L-
2: let me let me it's kind of two-pronged but so like what made me think about this is i went to see it follows um and Uh, outside of the movie theater, there was a poster, right, for the It Follows, a really beautiful poster for It Follows with the car and everything. And I believe it's Nathan Rabin's review from The Dissolve where it says, you know, the best... um horror film of the century, right? And his real piece says the best domestic horror film of the century, although that's not quite as catchy. Uh, yeah. Because most people will be like, what does domestic mean? You know, or, does it
0: take what? place in the home? <laughs> yeah. is, it, is it just a John Cassavetes?
2: Is it emotional horror? Right. What's going on? Here? <laughs> so, um, I like that
1: these fictional people, absolutely. like, they don't get what domestic means, They'll jump but to they Cassavetes. know Cassavetes right, is the right, reference right. point. This is like
2: shortcuts <laughs> with vampires. What's going on? Here? There's like two people in the country that this description fits. <laughs> um but uh so then I uh, you guys used to work at the Arc Light is that is I that did. true you did okay yeah. so um uh I go in and and the you know the usher goes up to introduce the movie and as she's done introduced the movie she says this is the best horror film of the past Decade, and she's just reading off of the poster. I mean, she may have seen it and felt that way, but it is, you know. And it made me think: how much of that opinion of hers, like, has this girl seen every horror film of the past decade? (laughs) How many horror films has she seen in the in the past decade to make that statement? Now, I enjoyed the first half of it. Follows. Uh, You guys haven't seen it yet. yet, Um, I don't think that it necessarily lives up to the best horror film of the decade. I could think of a number. I actually wrote, a, went through a list. I looked at every,
1: oh, this is what I want to hear. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I went through I every single
2: ask. horror film of the past decade and said, like, what do I think is better than it follows? But then I realized that his review said domestic and it made me realize I, when I looked through the list, there were not, not a lot of very good domestic, like, originally domestic horror films uh, of, in the past decade. I mean, pure horror. Yeah, so, I
1: like, I mean, the first thing that jumped to mind was last year's The Babadook, but that's not domestic. Sure, but yeah. it's not
2: domestic. And, like, even something like Let Me In is domestic, but it's oh. based off of a foreign film. Yeah, I didn't see Let Me In. Um, There's
1: Your Next I love that's your funny. next. I, I don't do like it. your next. So uh, I don't like Cabin in the Woods, which I wonder if I love
2: Cabin in the Woods, well, but, but I wouldn't call— the I Cabin- love both. What do you guys <laughs> think? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call Cabin in the Woods a horror film. I would call it like a satire or a comedy with horror elements. Yeah. Um, the same way with something like Drag Me to Hell is like oh, camp cool. more than I would say it's horror. It's like camp yeah. horror. Yeah. Um,
1: but that is a fucking good movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I
2: agree. And like Black Swan, like it's it's a horror movie in some ways, but I would also say it's more of a psychological thriller. Yeah. Um so like in terms of pure horror, how many like A level pure horror movies have we really gotten? You you mean Your Next is definitely, although even that's kind of camp. Um in, in many ways. Yeah. I don't um, know that I would
1: Maybe not camp, but I can see not camp, it's certainly, it's but certainly exactly self-aware. self-aware.
2: It's yeah, it's very self-aware.
1: But so is Kevin in the Woods. Oh, but they already said that's Right, the but the appeal
2: yeah. of your next is that it's self-aware. Yeah. yeah. See,
1: I, that to me, I, I know this is, like, not what we're talking about, but I disagree, because that's, that's my problem with Kevin in the Woods, is that it sort of starts and ends with that, in my opinion. Uh, just being self-aware and being kind of smug about it is how I feel about mm-hmm. Kevin in the Woods. Uh, whereas your next, just like... Uh, Adam Wingard wanted to do it, wanted to do it in The Guest, which is another fantastic film, is a film that is completely aware of its influences and understands that its audience is probably aware of its influences sure. and sort of name checks them without being subtle about it, but still exists as its own movie. Okay, uh, I, agree, the- I
2: agree with you that it, maybe it's it's more like operating on a metatextual level than it is like self aware. Okay, um, yeah, but it's it, like-
1: what I'm saying is that metatextual level. In Cabin in the Woods, I think distracts from it being uh, an impactful movie to me because it's too much about that. Okay. Yeah, whereas, I, I whereas in, in your next, they're they're running parallel and they're equally important. The 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 movie and the characters that we're seeing and the 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 collection of references yeah. that sure. are forming it at sure. the same time. That's why I like your next better than Cabin yeah. in the Woods.
0: Very okay. much the same with the guest. I think like yeah. They that seems
1: to be a Did thing. Did you see that the guest? Specialize.
2: I have seen the guest and I'm not a huge fan. I think I like the first half of it and then.
1: This is, a tr- I, this is a trend with you. Well, you know, <laughs> you like the for, very, for
2: very different reasons. <laughs> the guest, I thought, like had a really great build, and then I thought the reveal was not worthy of the, the build that it established, and it becomes lesser in its final moments. It kind of falls into its own, like, the trappings that it's kind of operating. Whereas I think, like, the first half of the movie really, like, sells you on this kind of really smart new thing, and the ending is kind of like something I've seen a million times before. Um, I can definitely see that I mean
1: yeah. I, uh, I disagree that I, I guess I wasn't I wasn't as primed to be surprised maybe as you were Well, and um, I, mean, I also I, I, I also saw it
2: way later in the game after everybody had talked it up a lot yeah, and I think gets back into D- Dan Stevens yeah it does Dan Stevens definitely exceeded my expectations like I think he's the reason to see that movie he's wonderful in that film not the uh, uh,
1: Micah Monroe
2: uh, oh no she's great too and she's even better and it follows um uh it follows just to give like a, I, if we're talking about it. It follows, I think has a, the best concept that I've seen for like a horror movie in a very long time. And I won't even put a qualifier on it because I can't stand behind that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> unlike saying it's the best film of the decade, but, right. uh, or best horror film of the decade. Um, uh, but I think it repeats the same idea over and over again to diminishing results and uh, returns. And, um, and never really explores its themes fully. Um, but I still recommend people see it for that first hour because it's terrifying. I mean, just terrifying. Which, but,
0: oh, shoot. Go that, ahead. That brings up a whole other, a whole other issue. Never mind. Sorry.
2: Okay. Well, anyway, so the, the idea being, how much was that woman's opinion influenced by what she had read? And I know that that's kind of like one of the appeals of film criticism is to read it and kind of get an idea of what you're going in for. But I'm, uh, I have been in this marketing class where they're talking about manufacturing you know like uh uh, people's opinions about the movie and targeting audiences with twitter campaigns and all these things and it made me think how much of our conversation about movies now and like like my talking about uh the guest is us comparing it to what the uh advertising campaign is telling us and what other people are telling us and i think it's the, um, the appeal of film criticism is to maybe challenge that, but it can also reinforce that mm-hmm. for many people. And it's really got me t- thinking a lot about this recently. Um, your thoughts?
0: Well, I, uh, was, I was looking up – I'm sorry, David. Do you want no, to go? No, go, go ahead. Okay. Um, I was uh, – sometimes I will try to make myself angry by going to iTunes and looking up the reviews of a movie that I love and seeing the user comments – why do you do this? I don't I don't know. Because I like you know what? For the same reason that uh, whoever it is takes Dunstan checks in to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, uh does it run. You, that was Rachel. I, Rachel so, Sometimes Rachel. I gotta I gotta check in with the, the norms.
2: Do you Just follow like the Dunstan. Twitter handle um with like Amazon movie reviews? Oh yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I, I,
0: I don't. I w- but I but I feel like I should. Um, and so I recently looked at the The reviews of uh, The Babadook, which was my favorite movie of last year. Loved it, yeah. I thought it was amazing. Um, I'll say this. By the time I saw it, I saw it fairly late in the game. I had heard William Friedkin say it's like the scariest movie of all time. Sure. he made The Exorcist. Yeah. So how could it not be? Uh, Meanwhile, I don't find (laughs) The Exorcist to be that scary. Yeah, right. um, And just so many people talking about how scary it is, how scary it is. I watch it, and it's creepy. And there's a lot of dread, and it, there there are certain moments when it's late when it's late at night, and my house is dark, and I'm like, eh, I'm not super comfortable right now. Thanks, Bobby Duck. Um, but by and large, but I still found it to be incredible. I I was scared by virtue of of how much I was invested in the situation and these characters, and I think the wonderful music, cinematography, and and art direction, everything about it, I think is real is a nice complete package. But so many other people locked into scary being a, uh, frankly, meaning a very specific thing these days, sure. and it wasn't that, so people just tore into it, and just, of course, there were plenty of people that loved it, sure. but just the people that didn't like it, invariably, they were talking about, they were talking in response Yeah, it's not. Sc- it's not scary, you yeah. know. And, it's like, so many people said this is scary, it wasn't, you know, and I guess, you know, you could call it hype, you could call it publicity, you could call it uh, prestige, whatever it is. I mean, I guess almost anybody unless you're seeing it the first
1: day out of curiosity who are these can't. sociopaths who aren't scared by the babadook <laughs> <laughs> I think it was,
2: it was terrifying. that might not be the film's intention right so like right. we are we're now adjusting like our opinions on movies based off of how it's been advertised to us rather than what the original intent of the film is right um uh I mean it does not maybe it follows doesn't fall into that, but I think it is it's it's tough because a lot of these poster statements or like, you know, the the D V D box, you know, statements are blanket statements and now and they're easy to repeat without understanding what you're saying. And they're about also that.
1: twisted as you just said, like they're taking words removed uh, you know, like the word domestic removed yeah. from that poster, which I find I feel like there's there need to be some some sort of regulations yeah, about sure. what they could do. Because that bothers me. And the thing i said off mic that always bugs the shit out of me is when the poster or the DVD box adds an exclamation point. Yeah. It's like, how many, like, really was... How many
2: <laughs> reviews have I ever read with an exclamation point? Yeah,
1: in it? I've yeah. maybe incorporated three
0: into any of them that I've, that I've <laughs> said.
1: Yeah, was Kenneth Turan really, like, shouting <laughs> about... <laughs>
0: I'm going to say, never in his life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like that Seinfeld episode where... Elaine is like you didn't think that was exclamation mark worthy, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, work in an office for a while. I in my office emails, I use exclamation points like crazy.
2: Sometimes because I have to like the cut back on them. Like I can't have three sentences in a row with exclamation points. I, I do. I'm like a psychopath.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. But it's it's mostly just like glad handing or trying to like soften the situation. Like talking to one of I don't want to say what I do, but talking to one of the vendors who fucked something up and like I'm not mad at you. This is okay. So I'm ending (laughs) with exclamation points. See,
0: I, when I sent, when I've sent out emails, uh, there are times when I've added, I've, ended with an exclamation point and then I've gone back and replaced it with a period. Cause I'm like, no, I want to be, you know, I want to be genuine here. <laughs> and that probably was not what I meant. <laughs> also it could be interpreted as anger. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh,
1: but now I wouldn't know what I do because I use exclamation points so often in my work emails. Now I feel like the vendors or whoever, if I don't, then they know I'm mad. Oh, watch out. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. That could be all. In my head. Uh, um, back to the topic though. Um, but now okay so you're um you know you're uh writing reviews for Village Voice now sure. we write our, our reviews now we are we are part of that wave like we get to see movies before they come out now sure um i mean there's still festival things because i don't you know i've never been to Sundance or Cannes or Toronto or where these the places where a lot of these but the the buzz uh starts with those kind of things i'm still uh guilty of it but do you think about that now while while you're writing a review,
2: absolutely. And and another, another thing is, you know, I, I I'm you know my reviews are going on Rotten Tomatoes now, but that doesn't necessarily mean I have control over whether it's fresh or rotten. Which uh, Rotten Tomatoes, oh I mean, really? Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, I know that the editors do, um, and they get to make that choice, that very binary choice. But also, um, these studios have gotten really smart about who they give these things to and who they allow to release them when and they've gotten good at manipulating manipulating Rotten Tomatoes and you'll see all these films 100% the week before they come out and so they're creating this narrative about how good this movie is only to be revealed the day of to not be true. Right. So you've already right. created these, you know, uh, the, these paths into people's homes where they're saying, oh, this is the little buzzword that I'm pulling from. Um, and so the whole thing is, you know, it's being manipulated. Um, and I don't want to be like that guy. Is, oh, conspiracy theory. You know, I mean, it's a business. They're doing these smart things, um, but it's kind of the danger of, of, you know, maybe not reading everything fully and only Going off of one place or or, or re- repeating something back that's not your own. Um,
0: well, it's almost it's it's like in a way if it's if it's a function of something the studios are doing because undoubtedly it's like we got to build buzz for this and then everyone will go see it and then if it doesn't live up to the buzz who gives a shit we got the money already exactly and that's really not that uh, dissimilar to when a trailer does not represent the film you know especially these days where really. The first two weekends, and even then, the first weekend is the only thing that matters. That's what they want to get. You know, and so it's like, well, as long as they paid for it, we don't really care what they think of it. Meanwhile, if they had actually taken the time to sort of cultivate a better representation of what the film actually is, whether it be critically or – as far as the publicity goes, I feel like they would actually be trying to do the film a favor and having it find the right audience as opposed to let's try and have it find every audience and piss off. 85% 85% of the people that see it.
2: Right. I mean, nuance is also really difficult to get across in like a <laughs> yeah. pull quote for a poster. It's like, yeah. it follows is the most interesting exploration of sexual <laughs> abuse. You know, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's, I've, uh, there have but been you're times, right.
0: There have been times when, you know, I go to a screening and then the publicist will email and say, Hey, can you shoot me a quick paragraph or two of what you thought of the film? And I said, yeah, sure. And so I emailed and I, it took me a while before I realized like, Oh, are they like, Are they going to use this? And then I remembered the way I write, and I thought, no, they're not going to use this. (laughs) I write long, meandering sentences that equivocate constantly, and I talk about how it applied to me. Well, they might edit it and find
2: three words that they
0: can (laughs) string together and make a statement. And put a big old exclamation point right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Damn them! (laughs) Um, uh, I'm I'm trying to think of examples of the things where I have... uh, I feel like if there's a movie that I really like that either... Um, is under the radar or just doesn't seem... Like, I loved Cinderella, the Kenneth Branagh Cinderella. You haven't seen it. Did you see it? I
2: planned on seeing it today, but I saw um, uh, Faults instead. How was that? Loved it. Oh, good. The, the first film of the year that I've, like, out-and-out out loved.
1: If that's how I feel about Cinderella. And so I feel like... Not that, I, you know, Disney's not going to pull my... Like, Battleship Retention is not on... Disney enough uh, on Disney Trail to pull you wish. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> but you know what? I feel like if you were the only one that liked it, they'd find you. Uh, right, 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 right. Plus, <laughs> You wish I, you I, were
2: I, on Disney's payroll.
1: <laughs> but no, I mean like but I'm not on like uh I don't think my my quote's gonna end up on a poster. Especially Disney's not gonna put the words battleship pretension on a poster. Like they it, would, but very, may, small. Very, very small. Very <laughs> small maybe they don't have yeah. to put
2: words on the Cinderella poster. All they have to put is the word Cinderella right. and they'll make yeah. millions of dollars. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I feel like because I know what sort of audience reads Battleship Retention or listens to Battleship Retention, I'm okay with like playing up, like being like, this is my favorite movie of twenty fifteen so far and being kind of broad like that because I'm okay with being part of this constructed narrative about the film because i want people to i I, so i want to use whatever whatever power i have as a guy who got to see the movie three days before it came out i I, want to be able to 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 shape people's expectations and hopefully get more people even if you know it's only uh, a few or a few hundred who read the website uh, to get more people to go see cinderella who wouldn't have anyway because i don't think our readers are people who are necessarily inclined to go see kind of brand of Cinderella. Right. And so you're, so that's thing is
0: what you, the qualifier you just put on there is our readers. Like my guess is if you were part, if, if we were a bigger website and you were part of, you know, you were on, on the, so to speak, the payroll, or at least they were aware of us and they were going to use your quote to take a film that maybe doesn't have a mass appeal and try to make it have a mass appeal. And so your quote would then be used To disappoint people, like that's the thing, like you and I have the freedom to say, to speak in these terms because we know our readers and we know our listeners. Whereas I feel like, so I don't think I have a problem with anything, I don't have a problem with anything that you're saying or your philosophy because I feel like that is a thing that we should try to do. But I, but again, like, uh, I'm very quick to lay any number of horrible sins at the feet of studios and. Twisting any quote they can to get to <laughs> sure. basically because they don't. I don't think they give a shit about how the film is perceived as long as they get the box
2: office. And I, I don't think it's any one person's fault, like any reviewer or anything like that. Because I, I, I assure you, Nathan Rabin, you know that's the way sure. he feels about the film. Um, and like more power to him. Um, but yeah, it's just something like when I heard that girl repeat it back, I said this is something we should be aware of that to be cautious about, um, repeating, repeating things because it builds a narrative. Um, and maybe it should, like it follows needs the narrative. Like, you know, it needs the audience. So like, great, you know, and I'm not necessarily like, I think building a narrative can be good if if it draws attention to certain films, but it just made me go, this is a moment for introspection and think, how am I influenced by this myself? Um,
1: yeah because i feel like now with it follows it's the people who have said it's good are enough to get me to trust it right. but i have a naturally contrarian nature so sometimes with something like your next being a hit at fantastic fest two and a half years before it finally came out when i finally got to see it at the la film fest in 2013 i was excited but there was a part of me that was like all right prove it like sure. live up to what i've been hearing yeah, yeah, for the it past can have the two opposite years effect. which is, yeah the opposite effect which i mean everyone won because i thought your next was great but uh there are maybe there are films that i'm a little harder on um a, a film this is not a festival film but uh a, an example of what we're talking about is uh, about getting to see movies early is that i saw pitch perfect at a press screening before it had come out so obviously it wasn't a cult hit yet and therefore didn't have this reputation as being this cult comedy um and so i was able to just with a, you know, completely clear slate and uh, balanced, whatever, what have you, say this movie is not very good at all. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I might have been a little more vitriolic about it if I had were writing a review knowing that it had this cult support that I, uh, re- you know, react against. Oh
0: yeah, I saw because it's terrible. I saw an early know if screening of Frozen. So stupid. I saw an early screening of Frozen. And I thought I had the freedom to dislike it.
2: Yeah, I really didn't like Frozen. I didn't like it. I
0: the, And it's so interesting. I went back recently and, and read my review. And it's just, I, I somehow view my, it's like, oh, so naive. So young. Because because <laughs> I, I read the paragraph where I say, you know what? There is one part that's really good. There's this song called Let It Go that's pretty like, good. <laughs> where, you know, little did I know that this whole thing would blow up into such a crazy phenomenon. And like, and that little kids would be singing what is essentially like a broadway type of song now there's um, a
2: huge backlash people are just sick of it they're yeah, sick yeah, to people, death people with it. People yeah. kids
0: especially someday. oh no quite yeah i have a friend who has three uh, three daughters and they love everything frozen and so well,
1: like, I mean, he kind of made his own bed there
0: i guess so yeah <laughs> sorry did you want him to go to uh, china with it and be like <laughs> just, yeah
1: sorry we want sons um <laughs> no, i just mean like three of anything like come on <laughs> <laughs> Rule of threes. The third one's going to be the funny. David,
2: David. David doesn't own any, any more than two of anything. Of yeah. the... <laughs> yeah.
0: it's like oh, this, this band has a third album out. And you know what? I'm not going to risk it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. That's uh, and that's that's true. These days, when I talk about Frozen, don't get me wrong. I was pretty negative about it at the time. But these days, so many people are positive about it. There's a, a site that I occasionally write for called Let There Be Movies. And right now, they're having this article series between two of their writers, which is, which is better,
2: Tangled or Frozen? Tangled. Tangled. In a heartbeat. Obvious. In a heartbeat. Obviously. Even Wreck-It Ralph, the previous Disney film, better.
1: <laughs> I didn't see Tangled. I really disliked Wreck-It Ralph. And I liked Frozen. You would love... I think you would love Tangled. I'm sure I, I, think I would. you would really it. Sounds it sounds like I would. But I really um, didn't like Wreck-It Ralph.
0: But yeah, and so like, as I... <laughs> And it's weird. Like, I, I just thought, well, surely it's like, yeah, Frozen maybe on its own is perfectly fine. But compared to Tangled, how could it ever – how could anyone ever think it's better? Right. Meanwhile, the guy defending Frozen is a guy – he's probably listening to this. Gene, sorry. Uh, Gene. Yeah. You ignorant bastard. You <laughs> <of> bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so, uh, so he put this out there saying like, hey, uh, on Facebook, before I knew where anybody stood – uh, he's, he asked like, Hey, uh, frozen or tangle, which one's better? And I said, Oh, tangle, obviously. And then he, and a number of other people responded with basically like, Oh, Tyler. And I was <laughs> like, all right, asshole. Not Eugene, obviously. But, um, but like this attitude of, wait a second, I merely don't like it, but now you guys are going to make me fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And it's, yeah. and that's very much in response to the hype. Like, you know, I, I go back to that early thing and I was like, Oh, you know what I taught? I pu- I
1: re- approached it like it was any other movie, right? How silly of me! Yeah, and as opposed to this lightning rod. Yeah. Well, there's um, this,
2: there's this whole other element to it too, with all these uh you know, these marketing companies. Like for example, the other day I was writing a piece for uh, a website that hasn't come out yet about like a French thriller, and I thought I'll watch a bunch of French thrillers and do a whole you know uh, featured piece about uh, French thrillers through time. So my Netflix queue got full of French thrillers. And, uh, and suddenly all I started noticing on Facebook and all these other things, all of my advertising started like promoting me, like French things that I, that I can buy. Can (laughs) I date French women? Uh, things like that. And I said, like, thinking to myself, they've got, you know, now this marketing is operating, they're going to start like, you know, they're going to create more narrower and narrower, uh, channels for us to operate in because, not everybody is going out and being like, oh, I'm going to tackle this genre now. They like what they like, and right. they're going to figure that out and only tell you about things that you like. So you're going to be living in this bubble that's created by you well, and something else.
1: To be, I guess, devil's advocate again, to say, like, the positive of that is that now there are... There could be very small films that aren't getting a big push, but they're going to find the people that they, that they want because of because of online platforms, uh, niche marketing like that. And I think the downside could be, you know, uh, I, I don't
0: remember if you mentioned it in this episode or the or the, the movie journal that uh, my initial dislike for Wilco. Um, yeah. Did we talk about Wilco in this episode? Not yet. Okay. Okay. Then it was the episode with you before. Sorry, everybody. It was a few days ago. If you're listening to this, right, uh, right on time. To us, it was an hour. Um, But yeah, uh, you know, that's a band that I that I came to like. Even the even the specific album that I didn't like that you had played for me is one that I actually have come to enjoy. And I think that's something that had to happen eventually. But if I'm only ever so, if I'm only ever being marketed to as somebody who likes you know Delta blues or something like that, well, that's that's fine and maybe maybe being marketed to in that way, it's like, OK, well, now I'll find different Delta Blues musicians uh, that I did, hadn't heard of before and that's great. But sometimes it, – like it, it really keeps somebody from taking a risk uh, or at least it doesn't cultivate an atmosphere uh, – an environment in which somebody wants to take a risk or even, or even knows how to.
1: Well, uh, and I think – i feel i feel as gear, i feel us uh driving toward an end point uh, of okay. the episode here but the the what that makes me think is that we can't sit back and expect the system of distribution system or publicity system to make things easy for us to find all kinds of different yeah. movies we have the onus is on us as consumers to seek out and more specifically for us three and people like us the onus is on us as critics mm-hmm. uh and something that i've you know, uh, always tried to, tried to, to to promote on this podcast and on Battleship Retention the website in my reviews and in the reviews that other people write for us is to treat a, a movie, no matter what movie it is, to take it as seriously yeah. as you would another movie. <laughs> to 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 take you know we aren't uh, we aren't we aren't a site that is going to favor something because uh, of its nation of origin or its genre or its uh, level of independence, but we are going to love movies and to take them all at face value and so i think uh taking everything t- taking every movie seriously is probably a uh, a good tact to take as a as a critic and could help for people who are willing to seek out criticism
2: and always uh, seek out the dissenting voice uh-huh mm-hmm. i think that's always the most interesting
1: yeah well it's uh to quote uh aaron sorkin to go back a couple podcasts or a, a podcast ago um if you're uh, aaron sorkin said and or one of his characters said on sports night if you're dumb surround yourself with smart people and if you're smart surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you which is why i do a podcast with a christian conservative <laughs> it couldn't be more different uh but uh i actually i, I just got locked into this
0: <laughs> uh, i really wish that this was not the case anymore that's not your, that's not your line <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry
1: Well, um, yeah, do you have any thoughts on on, on, on this uh, topic to, to wrap up?
2: No, I think we've, we've exhausted a number of topics uh, So I, this was really fun, yeah I thought this was fun too I did have one, one last thought
0: to kind of piggyback on what you were saying I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, sir As it turns out, when you say, we're done That doesn't necessarily mean we're done
1: Right, uh, but it sort of generally has for more than eight years now yeah, and you know what? I'm tired You're of, sick it. of it. Okay.
2: The new eight years will be the the era of Tyler deciding when we're done. Well, now that the tyranny is overthrown, I'm going to join in with 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 the the dissenting mass.
1: Absolutely. See, uh, so okay. we all have more opinions now. Um, all right.
2: Everybody's
0: a critic. At least everybody at the table. So, um, no, I just uh, to sort of piggyback on what you were saying is is this idea is like. Taking a movie seriously, part of that is means that the moment – as you're watching the movie, the moment it starts to veer from what you thought it was going to be – now, of course, if, if what you thought it was going to be is a good movie and it veers into bad territory, <laughs> that's one thing. But as far as genre or or maybe even experimentation, the minute it heads in that direction, you should do your best to drop your expectations. It's going to be hard to do because you might be like, no, 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 that's not what I thought I was getting. And we have this – I think as consumers, we have an instinct to be like, no, no, no. I paid for one thing and that's what I want, but it's art and it's this fluid thing. And you can- and also you're still seeing it through the prism of how the studio wanted you to see it. And so, uh, that's one of the things that I actually liked about the movie. Lucy
2: is boy, after a certain point, it is not what the studio wanted you to see. Um, <laughs> it becomes huh. like uh, a tree of life slash, yeah. um, Oh, what is the movie? The sequel to Baraka? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, well, anyway.
1: no, it, I I can't remember. Is that Samsara?
2: Samsara, yeah, I, yeah.
0: It becomes yes. Samsara partially. Yeah, yeah. It really takes a turn, and and to me that was more that was more exciting, and not to pat myself on the back because there are plenty of times when a movie's taking a turn. I'm like, oh, I was so on board with what you were doing. Uh Mulholland Drive, about you know years ago when we saw that. That's a movie. And they're like. You know, the second half comes along and I'm like, oh, really? You're going to do this now? I was so happy with what you were doing. (laughs) But that's the thing is, as time goes on, you have to train yourself to be like, all right, I'm going to go with the flow. It's it's the other half of what we're always talking about, like a a filmmaker can't tell you how to respond. But at the same time, you have to give him the benefit of the doubt and go where he wants to go. All right. Did you have anything else to say?
1: Nope. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh I will say this. Speaking of Mulholland Drive. Twain's, the diner, which is the diner from the movie, is being turned into a Sharkies. Oh, too, but, I like that diner. And I well, didn't, it's I, been closed for like two years now. Well, I haven't but, been there in a while, admittedly. But <laughs> but it's, for two years, it had a sign in the window saying like renovations, opening soon, uh, and apparently now it's becoming a Sharkies. You I like must Sharky's. not
2: have liked it enough.
1: Yeah, you didn't go enough. I live closer, and I only went once. So uh, I went there probably f- five times. Yeah. So uh, R.I.P. Twain's. All right. Um, Let's see. You can uh, you can find us. We can find us at Comic Con, as we said. Uh, Friday night we'll be at the Hilton Bar. Find us. Um, Wait, you mean WonderCon? Yeah. Is that what did I, did I say? Comic Con? Yeah. Sorry, it says WonderCon right here. Uh, WonderCon. You can. Uh, we we named the Twitter things earlier than I named before. You know what I started? I started a Snapchat for the Battleship Retention. I don't know. That sounds what dangerous. To do. I mean, I know Snapchat is mostly for dick pics. Yeah. So that's I feel what like to do. That's what we should be yeah like so you can find it's it's the same it's about bat- to take
2: pictures of movies where dick show up right <laughs> there we go yeah. <laughs> or just
1: movies of just, just shame just no just the movie dick with, there we go <laughs> uh, <it's Anna> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant i and wish that you Chris hadn't i wish you hadn't announced that <laughs> and just done it that been, uh, been a lot of fun so <laughs> it's it's snapchat it's battleship pretension with no vowels just like the twitter um i'll see what i do with it i don't so far i don't understand what snapchat does that other social media things don't do except for disappear which makes it good for sexting
2: yeah i think that's what it is so
1: i got all right if you want to you just made
2: that decision one night you're like battleship retention is now sexting so if you
1: want to sext with us um it's battleship retention on snapchat with no vowels uh you can find us at battleship retention.com that's the main hub that's where all the movie reviews are. Let's see what's uh, this week. I reviewed. Uh, She's lost control and the gunman. Um, you got anything this week? No. Okay. Um, we also have uh, Spring, which is the Draft House Films release. I yeah, to it sounded. Name. I read. I read about it. it. Sounded really good. Uh, yeah. So we have a uh, um some reviews up this week uh, as well as uh, that thing I wrote. I think I mentioned in the last episode or the movie journal episode, but uh, I wrote a thing about the Jinx. My thoughts on uh, the HBO miniseries The Jinx that I'm actually really proud of uh which is as a you know guy who has a lot of uh self-esteem issues i don't say that very often so go check out what i wrote about the jinx because i i like it
0: um, and, and you know what actually um I do movies badly, Jim Rohner's podcast. After a couple months of technical difficulties, it is back.
1: Right. With a Doing discussion.
0: Wong yeah, with a discussion of uh,
1: 2046. Right. Uh, so that's all of com. all the reviews, all the podcasts, and the BP fleet. Uh, you can email us david at com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. As I mentioned before, I am on Twitter at davy. Uh, pretension. Tyler's at Tyler Pretension. Uh, is that th- that's all of our stuff, right? Oh, and no. my other podcast is called Hey, Watch This. This week we're talking about the premiere of iZombie and the series finale of Glee. Um, your other podcast is called More Than One Lesson. Yes, and uh,
0: the last couple of weeks we talked about The Last Emperor and Platoon. Uh, we all our most recent full episode is about uh, Bennett Miller's Foxcatcher. And then speaking of things that uh, we are proud of. I will say that uh, our premium episode for $2.50 uh, is about Kevin Smith's dogma, and we're actually very proud of that episode. It's about 90 minutes long, so if you wanted to help support the show and send me to the International Christian Film Festival,
1: which may wind up being a big mistake on my part, uh, <laughs> just because— I, I, You sunk a lot of money in— These are some costs at this point you're trying to, uh, I'm trying to to
0: recoup. recoup. Yeah. But it's, I don't mean financial mistake. I mean, it could be three days of people being like, you shouldn't be watching those movies.
2: Um, (laughs) I I don't know. It might be a lot of fun. Or three days of God's not dead. Yes, it will be that.
0: (laughs) Perhaps followed by, oh, Foxcatcher, you shouldn't be watching that movie. Who knows? It could also be really great where a lot of really good conversations
2: are started. Sure. That's the idea.
1: So, Dan, where can people find you and your work on the Internet?
2: So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Dan Gavazdin, if you can spell my last name. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if you're interested in my Spider-Man stuff, you can follow my Spider-Man uh, account at, at SupSpiderTalk and uh, SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, where you have access to the podcast and everything and all of my reviews. And um, I started a new podcast a couple of weeks ago called Movie Dare that I'm really excited about, where the listeners dare us to watch movies, oh. and then they get to vote on what we do get you to, to watch. Do you have guests? Uh, yes. So we have uh, – last week we had Adam Conover from um, Adam Ruins Everything, if you've seen – The YouTube channel was basically me and my fellow. We used to
1: have a feature on our website called Adam Spoils Everything. Different Adam. We had no idea that 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 existed. That is strange.
2: Yeah, yeah, so it's basically me and my uh, film critic friend, Brian Rowan, um, who uh, runs the film stage podcast, and we had a TV show together where we did like a Siskel and Ebert kind of thing um, that was like playing on the East Coast. And um, but anyway, we do the show where we like watch these movies and then discuss them. But we have this uh, director Ben Popick, who's also a a comedian, and he brings all his comedian friends on. So basically, it's a comedy slash film uh, podcast, uh, and it's a lot of fun. We basically are just cracking ourselves up the entire time. So last week we watched Zookeeper, which is a gem. Um, they, that's the Kevin James. Uh, hit sure, film. Sure. And we've watched things like Thinner. Um next week we're doing Gili. Um and we watched uh, that. Together, uh, we did. And, yeah. Right. And we're doing like Cannibal Holocaust oh, and, I I and that <laughs> I mean it goes on and on. And it's not just bad movies. It's all dares. So like um you know it could be a really good movie that happens to be really difficult to watch. Like Solo. Um, Solo is exactly yeah. it's on our list. Um so um <laughs> tune in movie dare uh it's it's a lot of fun so there's that too that I do, and you can read all of my film writing or most of my film writing either in the Village Voice or at grindmyreels dot com. All
1: right. All right. So uh, this is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, thank you for being here, Dan.
2: I had a really great time. I'm
1: glad to hear that. Um, so did we. Uh, we hope we're certain that all of you did too. Uh, if so you can f- get past the letter reading then i didn't even read the letters i didn't even read the letter opening
2: there's a tough barrier to entry to this episode it's letter reading and then a lot of like really insider comic book stuff
1: yeah 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 and then we yeah we make urine it thank you for sticking uh, it out yes thank you for listening we'll get you next time bye bye